Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery. And I'd love to share with you about these phases what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, everybody who's listening, hold tight, get ready, because we 
are about to have a really great time. I have here today with me Ashley Easter, who I met um, by way of a colleague many years ago, and then we met last year at the um, SNAP conference. And you know, there are people in your life who come into your world that you immediately love and are excited to know and just vibe with, and Ashley was definitely um, one of those people for me. She has been out in the world as a feminist, Yes, girl, a writer, a speaker, a TV producer, I didn't even know that, we're going to have to talk more about that, a news pundit, an ordained reverend, and abuse victim advocate who educates churches and secular communities on abuse. She's also the founder of this amazing conference, the Courage Conference, for survivors of abuse and those who love them. And we're gonna be telling you more about the Courage Conference because I get to be a speaker at it this year, which I'm so, so excited about. And um, we've got other little goodies in store for you as well. So um, I'm just really, really um, excited to have Ashley here with me and to have this opportunity for her to share her wisdom with you all. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, it is so good to be here, and thank you for those kind words and that uh, great introduction. Oh my goodness, I, I just love you, Rachel, and super glad to be on your show. Oh, girl, me <laughs> too. <laughs> me too. We're going to be a speaker at the Courage Conference, too. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, that is going to be exciting. Um, you know, as I've been continuing to grow in my work, looking for opportunities to connect with people in those kinds of live settings has really um, become more of a priority. And I've been tracking the Courage Conference for years, of course, and it finally lined up for me to be able to come out. So I'm looking forward to telling everybody who's listening more about that and how that even came to be. And this is something that you, you've created and put out into the world, um, which is no small thing um, in an environment and a society where, you know, silence is still in many ways golden around topics like this. So to have a whole conference uh, is pretty badass, and one of the reasons why I love you so much. <laughs> so, so I know a lot about you, but I'm also still learning new things, of course. And um, but tell tell our listeners more about who you are and um, about your work and how you've arrived to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll try to just give you kind of the nutshell version. Uh, basically, I grew up in an independent fundamentalist Baptist church. I was in the homeschooling movement, which, by the way, homeschooling can be an awesome choice, but there are like little bubbles inside of the homeschooling movement. And I was in one called the Patriarchy Quiverful Movement, where basically there was this idea that you're going to take over the world through um, just birthing lots of children and having very patriarchal ideologies. Um, Women could not have authority in the home, church, or society. There's no equality for women. And that's probably why I'm such a strong feminist now, because I've seen the pain that that has caused so many women, and men too, honestly. But uh, not surprisingly, I experienced multiple forms of abuse in that community. And um, when I started writing about my different experiences growing up in this movement, um, I was what was called a stay-at-home daughter. Um, basically, it just meant that, you know, you were supposed to submit to your father, so he gave you away in marriage to another man that you then submit to. 
So I even had a blog where I was writing positively about being a stay-at-home daughter and adherence to the patriarchy. And so when I started writing about the different abuses I had experienced, um, I just had hundreds of people reaching out and saying that they'd experienced it too. You know, the whole Me Too concept, like that was, that was happening. And they'd experienced it in faith environments. The churches had tried to cover it up. And they felt really alone and isolated. But I knew they weren't alone because hundreds of them were telling me, like, almost the exact same stories. So that's when I realized, you know, we've got to do the Courage Conference. We have to have an event so everybody can get in the same room so they can experience that I'm not alone feeling. Mm-hmm. We can have inspiring speakers, educated speakers, other survivors sharing their stories, and just really be a place of healing and education. So we had the first Courage Conference in 2016. It was a sold-out event, and each year it just keeps growing and expanding. And from there, I've been doing other things like rallies, protesting abuse outside the Southern Baptist Convention, or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, doing, uh, going into Maine and you know, testifying to try to get laws changed to help survivors. So from that point, I really just realized that I feel this responsibility to um, use my story in such a way that helps other people and really dedicate my life to try to bring freedom and healing. So nobody has to experience what I did. So Mm. that's kind of nutshell version. <laughs> yes, and I encourage you all to to follow Ashley and to check out more of her resources and her story because it really is a very fascinating journey that you've been on, and that is really just a snippet of what it's been like um, to navigate your way, you know, from living, you know, in that community to leaving that community to building your life. Um, can I say on the outside? Is that a good way? Yeah, to yeah absolutely. I mean, yeah. I feel that it was a type of cult. And yeah, so on the outside, it's definitely a way to describe it. Okay. And, um, and, you know, and then like so many of us do, taking these experiences and turning it into something what was meant for harm, turning it into good. And you are doing that for the past three years with the Courage Conference and everything else. Um, And certainly earning your boss lady, as you have here on your shirt, (laughs) moniker, yes. Well earned, very deserved. Um, So one of the things that we're going to be exploring today is um, what it's like for survivors to navigate this journey from a place of maybe feeling weak or disempowered, um, not having a voice, not being able to connect with other people, um, to really a place of empowerment. And we're, we're looking at this concept of what does it mean to really connect to your own power, right? This mm-hmm. internal sense of self. And uh, one of the things that we've explored and I've heard you talk about um, many times is this, this myth that we have out there in the world that victims and survivors of of abuse are like attracting, you know, this trauma that they're being preyed upon because they have a weak nature. There's something about them. And um, you suggest this is absolutely not the case. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there is the myth, like you said, that, victims and survivors are weak, that they somehow, their weakness was kind of like the blood in the water that brought the sharks. Um, Mm -hmm. I really don't see it that way. The way I see it is um, abusers are the ones that are weak 
survivors are the ones that have the power. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that abusers go after people with power is because they feel a lack of power in themselves. And so it's not really a testament to the survivor being weak. It's the abuser who has their own problems to deal with, their own insecurities, their own shame um, or fear. Mm. And they're trying to really just compensate for the lack that they have inside by trying to steal power from other people. And, you know, whether it's a narcissistic abuser who always feels like they have to be like the best person in the room or um, whether it's somebody who's like just really very devious with, you know, physical abuse, you know, sexual abuse, those types of things. Again, they're positioning themselves in a place where they're trying to steal power from somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I learned in the uh, abuse prevention class that I took, and I think any abuse prevention classes that people take, I've taken several, but this is like the first one I went to. um, What they always tell you is that abuse is about power and control. And when you realize that that is the motivation for physical abuse, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, could there be some other factors at play? Sure. But the main driver is this lust for power and control. So I just really want to speak to the survivors out there and tell you that it is not your fault that you've experienced this abuse. It is the fault of the person abusing. They are feeling a lack inside. And instead of going through the hard work of healing themselves, mm. they're trying to take it away yeah. from you. And that is not a reflection of your weakness or your um, attracting evil into your life. No way. Um, it's actually a testament to your strength that other people see. Mm-hmm. And if you can begin to you know, heal yourself from these things, get the coaching, get the therapy, all those types of things and regain that sense of power. Um, You know, I think that's totally doable because it's already inside you. It's not something you have to like create, like it's already there. So I love this, um, this perspective. And I noticed lots of questions and what ifs and what abouts kind of coming up. And because it's us, I know we can talk about it. So (laughs) okay, so one of the things that I've often described for my clients who have this narrative of I've attracted abuse into my life, Mm -hmm. is I ask them to imagine that they're standing like in a row of women. Yeah. And the abuser does not scan this row of women and go, ah, that one, right? They're not that smart. They're not that intelligent. They're not that intuitive. It's more like they go to that first woman and they try to pull their shit, right? And be abusive, be domineering, whatever it is, take control, right? Take charge. And if that person has certain maybe um, capacity or skills or tools or ability to filter out, ability to self-protect, some of these layers, and I'm talking as adults here, I'm not talking about children. It's a really important distinction. Um, That the abuser goes, oh, I can't, you're not going for it? Okay, let me go to the next one. And then let me go to the next one. And this, there's some nuance here because it's not that when that you did something wrong and then therefore once the abuser showed up in your life, you know, but where I start, where I think about my own journey, what I notice is the places where I surrendered my power mm-hmm. and the things that I was lacking internally that made it so. 
Sure. So I didn't ask for it. I didn't cause it. I didn't create the situation. But I did, in in some ways, have this like opening in myself for whatever reason, the trauma that made it harder for me to hold on to that innate power and tap into that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what comes up for you when you hear me talk about that? Right, and I, I love kind of that description because I think a lot of times abuse is about access rather than, I mean, mm. there are some cases where they scout out people and there are some abusers who abuse like it's their job and they are strategic, but a lot of times it's just access. Um, I guess I would distinguish between like weakness and vulnerability. Yeah, let's do that. Um, weakness is like um, a lack, and that's what I think that the abusers have. Vulnerability is not so much that you have a lack, but that you haven't covered yourself with a boundary of protection. Mm. Uh, and so, again, it's not your fault, but you can learn to kind of put a gate up here. Yes. And in a lot of cases, that can detract. Now, there are some abusers, it doesn't matter how many boundaries you put up. They're going to they keep going at it. For it. But I do think that there are some tools for um, like growing in your your power, growing in your discernment and yes. your intuition and being like, I have a weird feeling about this. I'm just not going to continue the conversation. So I don't think that it means that we're powerless in that there's nothing we can do. People are just attracted to our power trying to steal it. I think we can learn to put up the boundaries, mm -hmm. but I think it's less about us being weak and more about us being vulnerable and knowing when to open the gate and when to close it. Girlfriend, <laughs> you just rocked my world. That is exactly the language I've been kind of like grappling for. Like there's something here that I'm not quite explaining fully to really make this analogy stick. Um, and that's exactly it. It's not weakness. It's vulnerability. And that's exactly what it was in my life. When I think about particularly my ex-husband, um, you know, that he found me at a time in my life where I was very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I didn't have very many skills or tools. I had very low self-esteem. I was just looking for someone to kind of take me under their wing. And, um, and so, yeah, this is exactly the idea. When I'm working with my clients, I'm saying, look, it's a matter of being able to walk into a space and the assholes, the jerks, the abusers, they're going to show up. They're going to come into your life. But are you going to have, you know, like a defense system that says, uh-uh, I'm not the one, you know? <laughs> and, and that's really like when I think about where I am in my life today, that level of vulnerability is not there, right? Because of all of that work that I've done and the skills that I've learned that, of course, I pass on right. to my right. folks. And what I love about the what we're talking about here when it comes to innate power, mm -hmm. that it wasn't so much that I had to build the power piece. Right, it right. was more like that was there and I could resource that, but I just needed some of these other um, yeah. components in place. Right. And vulnerability is a beautiful thing. I it, think vulnerability yeah. is strength. It's just, are you going to put a gate there and say, this isn't somebody who deserves my vulnerability? Or maybe mm. this is somebody who deserves my vulnerability, somebody I'm close to has built trust, and they can come in and see this part of me because I know they won't take advantage of it. Um, so I think it's it's okay to be vulnerable. And For sure. I think if you're not vulnerable, that's also, you know, a defense mechanism, a, something to work through. Yeah. But it's just kind of having that boundary and that kind of that gate there and then discerning, like, who do I open this for and who do I close mm -hmm. it for? 
Yeah, I think that's so right. One of the things I often talk about with my my folks is the fact that a lot of survivors of abuse and trauma, we don't have any discernment. It's like everybody gets to come all the way in really quickly, right? right? We don't know how to pace relationships. We don't know how to take our time to kind of assess a person. It's like either they're out or they're in. Yeah. And there's, you know, we have to learn to, to find that spectrum and take our time, you know, getting to know people and determining if exactly, as you said, they're worthy of our vulnerability. Man, if y'all are listening, write that shit down. That's good. That's quotable. That's so, so important. Is this person worthy of my vulnerability? So now we have these experiences of abuse that start to take a toll on our feeling of being empowered, right? And and when we come out of that experience, we're on the other side of it. Um, we can be left with this feeling of I'm now powerless. I don't have any say. Um, so what are some of the ways that people can reclaim that inner power and really amplify their strength? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm a huge fan of trauma therapy. I'm a huge fan of coaching. I think those things, you know, are just kind of a given. But some practical things. Um, affirmations have changed my life. I mean, just kind of saying like, this is how I don't want to feel. This is what I don't want to experience. What is the opposite that I do want to feel and do want to experience? Writing that down in like I am statements and then saying it to myself in the morning when I'm getting ready and at night when I go to bed. And it seems simple. It almost seems like petty and silly. Right. But I'm telling you like, um, I mean, you've talked about the reticular activating system and that's kind of one of those pieces that can kind of start to, to reshape that. I'm sure your audience is familiar, but it, it has helped me even when I'm starting to um, tell myself positive affirmations about my power and my strength and my intelligence and my capability. I don't always feel that those things are true mm. when I write them out first, but what I do is I mix them in with things that I know are true about myself. Nice. Um, yes. So it kind of tricks my brain when it's going through the list Ooh, to get a little bit confused about which ones I feel are true or not. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I start believing it. And when I start believing it, I start acting yes. that empowered way. And when I start acting that empowered way, people notice that and then they respond to me differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so affirmations are a really big thing in taking back power having boundaries again like we talked about before that's that's super important and I I feel like abuse trains us to believe that we don't have a right over our own body over our own mind over our own spirit and that we need to just let whatever comes come in and so really taking a look at realizing like I get to be in charge of me Mm -hmm. and um like I'm this divine being who has like all this wonderfulness and I get to say no to that or yes to this. And I, I have choice. Um, so I think leaning into choice is choice at the beginning of my healing turn. Like I can pick out my pizza toppings without having a panic attack. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, I was at the brink. I feel that. I feel that, girl. Yes. <laughs> but just like asking yourself, like, what do I like? What do I enjoy? Yeah. What do I want? Because a lot of times we don't ask ourselves those questions. We know what we're supposed to like or want or do. And when we give ourselves choice back, that's the way that we can take our power back. 
So many beautiful little nuggets in there. So I want to just reflect a couple of things for our listeners. So the first thing that I hear you talking about is how to use language as a way to teach ourselves about who we really are. And uh, in my Beyond Surviving program, we call those declarations because the very we make a little distinction between declarations and affirmations because of the very thing you were alluding to which is there when you say these things your brain literally is like what are you talking about this does not compute this <laughs> yeah. does not make sense i'm not valuable i'm not worthy i'm not beautiful i've been spending years and years and years convincing myself i'm something different and speaking a different language to myself mm -hmm. and so when you start off if you put too much pressure on yourself to believe it like right away then for survivors, a lot of times they go into shame. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this right? I'm never going to change. Like, because we're so prone to doing that self-beat up stuff. Mm -hmm. So two options here um, to just frame it as I'm using language as a way to retrain my brain. I don't have to believe this or not. Eventually it will start right. to shift. But I love the little adaptation. I'm stealing it, by the way, um, for <laughs> what do you know and believe? What are those things you feel confident about yourself? And say those, so you can sneak those in with the ones that you try to come into and it helps your brain. I think that's so brilliant. I think the other thing that I heard you touching on is choice, 100%. Um, so, so many of us live in this like hands up in the air, there isn't anything that I can do about this kind of mentality as a result of trauma. It's a very, very normal trickle down effect of trauma. But coming out of that, like for me, one of the tenets of being healed is really that you recognize and understand that you have choice in your life again. Yeah. And yeah. you claim that. Yeah. And then the third piece that um, you're talking about there is, oh, my gosh, I really just forgot it. It totally just went out of my head. What was the third thing you were talking about? Um, <laughs> I love us so much. I, I thought about the first one maybe was the last one. Oh, um, the last one was the best, too. Um, well, that's okay, listeners. Okay. You can listen back and rewind. This is podcast in your 40s, everybody. <laughs> Oh, my Lordy, it'll pop in like five minutes later, I'm sure. But ultimately, this divine, the thing, the piece that you were talking about there, the divine self. And I really think that this word innate power is important because for a lot of people who have trauma starting at a very young age, mm. they can have this sense of I've never known what it's like to feel yeah. power. I've never connected to that. And so I want to explore this idea of it being innate like something you're born with almost like a birthright can you say a little bit more about why um that word is so important here when we're talking about power and inner strength right so you know i think just just think about you're here right now all of the genetic codes that had to come together um, all the people through history that had to come together for the chance of you being here right now. Like, I don't believe that's an accident. And yeah. I, think, well, I think each of us are here on purpose with a purpose. Mm. That purpose is, you know, to love ourselves, to love others, and to seek justice for ourselves and others in the world, to, to find 
happiness in that, you know, relationship of love with ourselves and love with others. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's an accident that any of us are here. And I think it's such a, a miracle, a magical thing that, that we're on this planet today at this time in this society, showing up with ourselves. And so I truly believe that we do have innate power, that there's something special about us. Um, I think we don't always see or feel that innate power because of things that have happened to us, you know, trauma that we've experienced, maybe trauma from, you know, past generations, you know, there's studies showing that, you know, your DNA can sometimes be changed and altered based on past trauma of other generations, but it's there. And I think our job on earth is to like, pull away those layers by healing ourselves to, to uncover the innate power that is within us. And when we can tap into that power, we're going to be able to find like our destiny, our calling, which is, you know, love and happiness for ourselves in the world. And, you know, there's so much healing that can happen there. We can experience so much joy. Uh, so much strength is within us. We, we just have to kind of pull back those layers where people have wounded us, but it's, it's inside because yeah, it's no chance here. (laughs) Oh, that's really beautiful. Thank you for that perspective. And it's one of those things that like, it gives me goosebumps when I really like, if I give myself time to really sit back and connect with what everything that you just described there, like, okay, everything that had to happen for my parents to come together, everything that had to happen for their parents to come together, everything that had to happen for their parents, right? And then, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, really mind blowing. And, um, and so if we can connect into that, I know it's not always easy for those of you who are listening when you're in a, when you're in the state of pain, when you're in the state of trauma, that was so hard for me to access mm-hmm. that part of me that had power, that part of me ha- that had a choice, that had a say, that could believe that there was some reason mm-hmm. for me to be here. Yeah. Um, so I want to just acknowledge for anybody who's listening that feels like, you know, a mountain to climb. Like, we get it. We've been there. Um, And so, (laughs) you know, it's really about like, what's the littlest, smallest thing. I remember when I was uh, just really starting to be um, serious about I've got to get my shit together, right? And starting that process. It was sometimes the smallest things, almost like you were describing like, yeah, I want pepperoni on my pizza, right? Or like, this is what I want. And this is, oh, that was the third one. There it is. Like, checking in with what you like asking yeah, yourself those kinds it. of questions see I knew it would come back yeah. <laughs> yes you know it can be those little things um do you want coffee or do you want tea because mm-hmm. that's where you can start to you know build that muscle of choosing okay. right the other thing I want us to touch on today is you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier that we know from research that's been done um, and interviews that have been conducted with um, people who have um, been harmful, been abusive, mm-hmm. that what often drives that behavior is, first of all, the lack of their own healing. They themselves have experienced trauma mm-hmm. and have never received any interventions, any support, any guidance. And so they're left in this internal space of feeling disempowered Mm -hmm. that's actually their experience and the way they go out to try to cope with that 
is to take power from other people and to attack the confidence and the self-esteem of other people around them. And when you've gone through that kind of journey with a person, you know, I was in 10 years of that with my ex-husband. And the constant onslaught of words and language and just tearing me down and, you know, stripping away my sense of self and, uh, you know, the, the onslaught of negative words. I mean, it absolutely, exactly as you described, took a great toll on my confidence, on my sense of self. And when I was out of that relationship, to be quite honest, I didn't even leave it. He left me and I was begging him to say, that's how entrenched I was, right? And how much I was lacking in self. And so then when it was done, I really was like, whoa, it was like a vacuum. And I was so afraid to kind of go out into the world because I didn't trust myself anymore. Mm-hmm. How, can, how can I know that I'm not going to repeat this mm-hmm. pattern again? And uh, so let's talk about that a little bit because when we, we think about coming back to that place of power, mm-hmm. the other piece of this puzzle is learning to trust yourself maybe again or maybe for the first time. Um, how do you think survivors do that? How do, how do we learn to trust ourselves after having gone through those kinds of experiences? Sure. Well, I think the greatest tool that we have at our disposal is our intuition. And um, intuition is basically just that voice inside. It can show up in different ways. It can be just like a sense of knowing. You can get a feeling in your gut. You can kind of have like almost a visualization of something like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Um, There's a lot of ways it can show up, but abusers love to knock that down. And that's kind of one of the first things that they knock down your sense of belief in yourself. So even just testing out your intuition in small ways. So um, I think there's a good chance a lot of us have been in a room where somebody's come up to us and we just get this vibe. You Mm. cannot put your finger on it. A lot of times survivors are really good at this. And you do not know why you don't feel good about that person, um, but you, you sense something's off. There's maybe no other evidence but that feeling. And what abusers love to get us to do is to come out of that intuition and get kind of into our heads and be like, oh, this isn't logical. You know, I'm being wrong not to trust, da, da, da. Mm. But the thing is, our intuition is really smart. It's um, a part of our brain that actually is going through those logical processes, but just so fast and like, you know, under the surface. So we can't necessarily track how it knows what it knows, but it's picking up data from, you know, years ago and data that's been passed on, you know, through the generations. And so when you get that gut feeling like this person doesn't feel right, don't let your mind talk you out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's okay to ask questions um, to see, you know, if there's things. But actually we're supposed to be nice. We're supposed to be kind to everyone. (laughs) We're supposed to be accepting and, you know, give everybody a chance. Right. That's, that's not true. Like, I don't think yeah. we are put on this planet to be nice people. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think there is love right. that we should be showing, but sometimes love is tough love of saying, yes. you're not a safe person and I'm not going to let you enable your abusive nature. Yes. And I'm going to love you by saying no. Um, 
So I would, you know, pay attention to those situations. Yeah. Those are kind of maybe bigger, more dangerous situations, but like you can practice this at home on small things. Yeah. And just set aside an afternoon and be like, this is going to be my intuition afternoon. And I'm just going to listen to what my gut wants today. Mm-hmm. Like maybe do a little meditating, silent meditating, just be like, okay, where should I go today? And then maybe your mind is like, let's go to Target. And then you go to Target. Okay, where should I go in Target? Go down this aisle. What should I buy? Oh, it's bar of chocolate. If it's chocolate, it's always your intuition. It's always right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> intuition <laughs> always leads to chocolate. Is yes. this way for today? <laughs> <laughs> if it ain't chocolate, it ain't your intuition. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the things that aren't oh, like that safety or not safety, but just like allowing yeah. your to guide you for a day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It takes you. Um, so yeah, in in situations like that, when that feeling comes up, pay attention, but just give it some time to practice. Meditation can be good to be alone with your thoughts. Just listen to what that inner voice is saying. Yeah, I think you're, that's so spot on. And w- what I would add to that is um, the the part that has been the hardest for me mm-hmm. is the part of me that wants to second guess. So a little practice that I started um, for this very idea of like building my intuition, building trust is, you know, when I go out for my morning walk, I'd step out my door and then I would just ask left or right. And my, my first thought would be, let's say, right. And then I had to have a whole dialogue with myself. Well, are you sure? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you really want to go left, (laughs) you know, just that like practice of silencing the second guessing and go right. Um, I've really been noticing this a lot um, around eating. This is something Mm -hmm. in my life like right now that I'm, I'm living in San Francisco, right? So I got to figure it out. Um, (laughs) Eat the kale. Um, But I grew up in Oklahoma, right? We're talking Mm -hmm. fast food. We're talking gravy. We're talking, you know, eat, 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 Mm -hmm. eat. And I never was really taught how to listen to my body. Um, around food and like you're full and since I've been really bringing my awareness I'll be eating a meal and I will now hear a little voice in my head that says I'm full like I literally hear that language I am full like there's somebody inside saying we're done and I have a whole negotiation maybe I'm good right no no just one more bye what maybe you should probably finish this it's not good to leave like I have all of that and so it's really becoming a practice for me like when I hear that to just stop right and so uh, that's just an important piece of this puzzle give yourself opportunities to practice listening but also notice the second guesser in you and then start to address that part of you as well and become friends with it but also learn to silence it so that you can follow through that gut anything or at the very least put your intuition and your gut at an equal level as that voice at the very least mm. I, I generally lean towards gut but so many times we put intuition way down here and like that external really low, process yeah. like the um conscious mind we we mm. allow that to be like more weighty than the subconscious yeah a lot smarter than the conscious mind yeah and yeah so they at least need to be working in tandem but i always lean towards the, the gut feeling. 
Yeah, and that makes me think too, Ashley, about times in my life where I have had that gut instinct and there's no logical reason. Like I could not say it's because this and this and this and this. I have no criteria. I have no evidence. I just have something inside of me that says, go, get out, whatever it might be. And um, and so the other really important thing to understand is that you don't have to be able to defend or explain yeah that intuition, that gut. You don't have to um, compel anyone to believe it. You just need to listen and trust it. And, and know that there is a process going on. It's just beneath you're not aware of it. Yeah. And your conscious mind isn't picking up what your subconscious mind is doing because it works much faster than your conscious right. So it's, you're right. It's okay not to know the answer, but know that there is a process even if you can't see it. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Okay. So for everyone who's listening, you've gotten so many little nuggets today. And so I encourage you to listen back, take some notes, jot some things down and maybe pick, you know, we've actually, I think, thrown out maybe like five or six different, you know, ideas and things that you could start to weave into your healing practice. So pick one and go with it and try it out and then come back and pick up some other ones and come join us in October at the Courage Conference so we can continue the conversation. I'm so, so excited to be taking the stage um, at the Courage Conference. So let's tell people a bit more about this conference, what they can expect, when it is, where it is, how they can register. Yeah, yeah. So you can go to thecourageconference.com and uh, you can register there. We are going to be in Orlando, Florida this year. So it's going to be really beautiful, all the palm trees. Um, in October, it's going to be the 25th and the 26th. And then there's a limited space optional leadership event for people who are ready to kind of step into their advocacy work on the 27th. But the main conference is October 25th and 26th in Orlando. And this will be our fourth year. And I'm just telling you, like, not just from like, oh, it's my conference, but like, honestly, we have some great people. Every year it gets better because we have more and more amazing people coming, people like Rachel and so many others. We're going to be listening to survivors share their stories. We're going to be listening to different experts in their field, um, talking about healing and abuse prevention. Um, a lot of people who attend our conference is they have experienced abuse in faith or spiritual context. But I want to be clear, you know, um, while I identify with Christian, this isn't a Christian conference. It's mm -hmm. people who, some of them have remained in the faith. Some people are not uh, Christian anymore and are of different faiths. Some people don't identify with the religion at all. You are welcome, whatever space you're in. We, um, we're basically just coming around the fact that people have been hurt in a lot of faith-based environments and we want to give voice to those people and we want to have uh, experts in their field be able to share how you can heal from this. Um, it, it almost starts to be like a reunion, honestly, because <laughs> I love that. every year and then they meet up and uh -huh. we try to have conversation style with panels and workshops and then keynotes and so yeah, please come. This is like a personal invitation. I would love for you to come. Um, this isn't just like a marketing ploy, but honestly, our tickets 
are going faster this year than ever before. So nice. you might want to want to check that out. Get on it. Get yeah. on it. Get on it. Get on it. Yes, absolutely. So um, again, you all listening, you can go to thecourageconference.com. You can learn more about the conference and you can register there. And I hope to see you all in Orlando. I know I'm going to be enjoying the sunshine and the palm trees and connecting with Ashley in person again. And Ashley and I are also working on a project together. I know, I'm so stoked about this. So um, we're going to be putting together a weekend uh, for women in February of 2020. So um, you can connect with me, you can connect with Ashley, and we'll make sure to keep you posted about that. We're working out all the little fine details um, in these next couple of months, but we'll have more information on that soon. But your first step is the Courage Conference. Check that out and come join us there. And continue to connect with Ashley. You can learn more about her and the work that she's doing at AshleyEaster.com. You can um, connect with her on Twitter, the Twitter, the Ashley M. Easter, Instagram, I am Ashley Easter. That's pretty badass. I like that. Um, I am. Talk about affirmation. I am. (laughs) The one and only. Oh, my goodness. So I knew I would have a blast with you today, and I've just so enjoyed digging into this conversation with you and exploring this topic and appreciate you so very much for everything that you bring to this world and your courage um, to take your journey and experiences and make a difference in the lives of other people. It's it's an honor to be with you. You're you're an awesome person. I loved it so much. (laughs) Thank you. Any final thoughts for our listeners? I guess I would just say, like, you don't have to feel alone. Like, we've got this community online. You've got these podcasts that Rachel's putting out. You've got these events where you can see us in person. If you're feeling alone and isolated, like we have opportunities for you to be in gatherings of people who get it and who are there. You, you don't have to be in silence anymore. Like we've got your back. Mm-hmm. Feel free to join us either online or in person. Yes, I second all of that for sure. Oh my gosh, thank you again, Ashley, for being here. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and joining us today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the resources available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to our podcast, give us a rating, leave us a note. We love to hear from you. And then check back next time because we have much more to share. Until then, take really good care of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.